the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Thinking about health care these days? Well, you're not alone. And it seems that getting real information about the state of our medical system is tough to come by. That's why you've come to the right place with Dr. Bill, your radio MD. He's got the answers because he's a doctor. I said he's a doctor, and he wants to hear from you right now. 877-969-8600. This is AM860, The Answer. And now, it's time for Dr. Bill, your radio MD. Good morning, everybody. This is Dr. Bill, your radio MD, coming at you on AM860, The Answer. And we are your answer. And you can reach the website at am860theanswer.com. I think it's also theanswertampa.com. Someone texted me that. I'm sure it was somebody from the station a few weeks ago. And this is Talk Radio, Interactive Radio. If you're so inclined, you can join me at 877-969-8600. That's 877-969-8600. We are an iHeart station. And you can reach me worldwide on the web, 9 to 10 a.m. every Sunday morning, Eastern Standard Time. Go to drbillradiomd.com and click listen live or go to the station's website and click listen live and you can put on your headset, hook it up to your computer, or if you have speakers on your computer, you can listen to me without putting on a headset. Oh boy. And that's all kinds of fun. And we do have fun on this show. It's a good show and I like it. Uh, I wanted to tell you that uh, we now have 300 tubes of the antifungal toenail gel that we produced last week, and I'm selling that for $29.95. It's about a six-month-plus supply. Put it on once or twice a day. It will kill your toenail fungus. I've been using it since January, and my toenails are turning out beautiful. And if you call the office, uh, we can take your order and send you a tube in the mail. It's uh, 727-384-6411. 727-384-6411. As we ramp up, uh, we'll get it up on the website, and we'll get a call center and all that going. But initially, we just need to get some out there. But it's a limited number, so give us a call as soon as you can if you need it. 727-384-6411. We can take your credit card over the phone. Well, I was watching the news this morning, and there's concern about babies dying in hot cars and dogs and uh, old people who are demented and and don't know how to open the door. And uh, there is new technology out, which is is good. It's a good thing. I like that. Uh, I'm a technology kind of guy, and you know, losing a kid in a car is a real is a real tragedy. It's uh, it catches the public's interest. It's on the news. And the legislators are now pushing something through Congress that will make it mandatory for automakers to put into place 
sensors that tell you if there is someone in the back seat. Just like when you get out of your car and you leave your keys in it, it starts beeping. And this will tell you when you get out of your car if there's still someone in the back seat. Now, there's been some technology like this out for a while, uh, and it's a good thing. You can get uh, the sensor-safe system from Evenflow, which will uh, plug into your car communication systems and let you know if there's someone in the back seat. None of these are perfect yet. General Motors is working on this rear seat reminder system, and I'm all for that. Uh, of course, there's other systems that have come up, driver's little helper sensor system, which is on the market, or at least was on the market. I don't know if it still is. And Waze, if you don't know what Waze is, if you if you have Google Maps and you use Google Directions, Waze is similar to Google Maps and Google Directions, and it's a popular traffic app, but it's got a little bit more. It can tell you when there's an accident, and it's interactive, so you can text back two ways if you're on the interstate and you see an accident or you see a slowdown. And this will be broadcast out to all the people who are using ways in that area and are using the, uh, the GPS guidance system. So this app will remind you that you have to check your back seat because there's someone back there when you get in and out. Now, it won't alert a driver during an impromptu stop so you have to reset it every time. But at least it's an app and it's a start. And we've got some things in the work and hopefully this will save some kids. And I think there were several hundred kids that died in hot cars last year and the number is supposed to go up. I guess the atmosphere supposedly is heating up. So look at that and let's keep an eye on that. And remember to check your back seat. Uh, don't let the kids sit there. Don't let the dogs sit there and cook to death. We don't need that. Old people, well, that's okay. You know, if they're over 80, who cares? But I'm still under 80, so please check and make sure that I'm out of the car before you leave. Because <clears throat> I may have fallen asleep back there. I tend to nap during the day. Well, well, that reminds best... me, Doctor. When is it my turn to watch the bill? <laughs> You're going to make me start coughing and laughing here. <clears throat> so we're we're trying to save young people and dogs and pets and parakeets and budgies and all that from dying in hot cars. Hey, by the way, did you hear that the president says that if Congress tries to start impeachment proceedings against him, Congress being the House of Representatives, since that's where impeachment comes from. Impeachment just means that we're bringing formal charges against you, Mr. President, since the president is not uh, subject to the same criminal uh, laws that you and I are subject to while he's in office, uh, the House of Representatives is the grand jury that decides whether or not there's an actionable cause that the president actually did something illegal that rises to the level of, of having him sent to the Senate for a formal trial. Now, a formal trial by the Senate is uh, uh, overseen. It's by the chief justice of the Supreme Court. He acts as the presiding uh, magistrate, and the Senate votes and I think it has to be a two-thirds majority for the uh, the infraction that the House believes occurred to 
uh, kick the president out of office. And the president says he hasn't done anything wrong. He hasn't broken any laws. There's no high crimes or misdemeanors involved. And if the House comes after him, he's going to go to court. He's going to go to the Supreme Court and uh, sue the House and, and get the Supreme Court to tell him that they don't have the standing to do what they're doing because there's no crime. We'll see how that works out. <clears throat> now, the presidents have challenged the courts over the decades, and uh, there have been a number of Supreme Court rulings, uh, fascinating too, you know, I, re I really like seeing some of these. Uh, in 1944, uh, Korematsu sued the U.S. government because, as you may or may not remember, Japanese Americans were interned during World War II in what we would describe now as a concentration camp, they were resettlement camps. So all of the Japanese Americans that were living on the coast of California uh, were moved to camps in the interior western part of the United States because of the fear of uh, their sentiment for Japan during World War II and the possibility of there being spies and terrorists and espionage agents within the Japanese community that might try to do harm to the United States during World War II. We were at war with Japan. So the executive order was issued by Franklin Delano Roosevelt in 1942, and Korematsu said this violated his 14th Amendment right to equal protection under the law and his Fifth Amendment right to life, liberty, and property because they also seized the property of a lot of Japanese Americans. And this was a special circumstance during World War II, and uh, Korematsu said this violated his constitutional rights, that they couldn't relocate him. Well, the decision, and a rare decision, the Supreme Court ruled that an entire race, an entire race of people being Japanese Americans, could be labeled a suspect classification, meaning that the government was permitted to deny, to deny the Japanese their constitutional rights and put them in these camps uh, because of military considerations and espionage, and we were at war. So the president, in that instance, was upheld by the courts. Now, there were other times when the president was not upheld by the courts, and uh, President uh, uh, Lincoln came into a conflict with the court because as commander-in-chief of the uh, United States military during the Civil War, before there was a formal declaration of war, the president dispatched the Navy to block the southern ports. And the court ruled that Lincoln D did indeed have the power as commander-in-chief. But in another setting, the writ of habeas corpus had been suspended by Lincoln during the Civil War. The writ of habeas corpus means that you can't be held without some kind of formal hearing. So in other words, if you are jailed on a charge of uh, drinking and driving, you have to be brought before a judge within a reasonable period of time with representation either by your own lawyer that you hire or by a public defender, and you have to be able to be formally charged and have an opportunity to be heard by the courts, and if you want a trial, to have a trial. And so during the Civil War, Lincoln said, well, I'm dealing with a lot of, of, of Americans who are sympathetic to the South, 
And if I don't lock these people up and keep them out of the public uh, domain, they're going to cause problems and uh, we're, we're not going to win the Civil War and we're not going to keep the country together. We're not going to free the slaves. We're not going to have a strong federal government, so on and so forth. And Chief Justice Roger Taney, who was presiding over the case, uh, declared the action was unconstitutional, that Lincoln did not have the power to seize people and lock them up. Now, we've seen the same thing happen with George Bush and the Guantanamo situation where foreign terrorists were captured and put in Guantanamo Bay without uh, any presentation to uh, a court. And the administration at that time under George Bush said, well, these are military uh, people, they're soldiers, and it's a wartime, and we're holding them, and they'll be tried by military courts. And the, the liberals said, no, you can't do that because that's not what the Constitution says. And the courts say that you have to uphold the writ of habeas corpus, even in a, even in a wartime, as was ordered by the court of Lincoln. By the way, Lincoln ignored that and did what he wanted. And he held people in military camps uh, under no writs. Uh, he just issued proclamations and uh, executive orders. I want Joe so-and-so arrested because he's a Southern sympathizer and lock him up, put him in jail, and don't let him out and don't give him any representation and don't take him to court, don't let him talk to the press and so on and so forth. So that's how Lincoln came into conflict with the courts, and he just ignored it. Now, in 1866, the court ruled that the use of military tribunals to try civilians was unconstitutional. So if you're a civilian, a United States citizen, and we have this going on right now with this uh, Muslim woman who was raised in Alabama and then went and joined ISIS, and now she wants to come back home that a military tribunal was unconstitutional to, to try civilians in areas where civil courts remained in operation, even during wartime. So if your state courts are working or your federal district courts are working and you're a civilian, you're not a, a soldier, you're, you're, you're not in uniform, you haven't pledged allegiance to the United States of Russia or whatever, then you can be tried by a civil court and a military tribunal is unconstitutional to try you even if what you have done is seemingly uh, subversive and against the country. The, the legitimacy of military tribunals remained intact, but the use of it was limited to specific circumstances. So the president came into, I believe that was uh, probably after Lincoln had been uh, assassinated and Grant was president at that time. And I'm sure that Grant would have carried forward Lincoln's or Johnson would have carried forward Lincoln's uh, uh, desires and requests. Let's see, they would have been uh, Andrew Johnson was president at that time. Now, in the 1950s, President Harry Truman, under an executive order, had asserted that the president as commander-in-chief was authorized to seize and operate uh, uh, integral and necessary industries during wartime 
to prevent a work stoppage. So if this was uh, an essential industry, the steel mills were an essential industry uh, to the war machinery during the early 1950s when we were at war in the Korean Peninsula. My wife's from South Korea, by the way. Thank you very much. And the North Koreans had attacked the South Koreans. They were backed by the Russians and the Chinese. We intervened, and the United Nations, along with the United States as the lead country went in and fought back the assault by the North Koreans. And during this time, there was a strike by steel mill workers, and they wanted to stop the the production of steel. And President Truman said, you can't do that. This is a war, and you're an essential, uh, uh, fundamental, necessary industry to the war industry and to our winning this war. And the court said this was unconstitutional, that Harry Truman could not order a private industry, could not take it over, could not run it, and could not uh, insist that people work, even if it was during a wartime. And Bush was challenged by Rasul. George Bush, 2004, the court ruled that the president's commander-in-chief power did not give him the unlimited authority to detain enemy combatants indefinitely without giving them any recourse in the courts. And this is what the Democrats were yelling about and had been yelling about, that we have a court system and that either you try them or you let them go, that the writ of habeas corpus be honored and that even if they're enemy combatants, that they be given their day in court in the United States because once they're within our uh, domain, once they're within our grasp, once they're within our purview, then our laws apply unless it's uh, wartime and there are special things going on. Uh, enemy combatants can be tried by uh, military courts, uh, but the Democrats, of course, wanted them tried in the uh, civil courts and in our state and federal courts. Now, that's uh, still a little bit of a debate, but certainly it's something that we all need to think about because if we do seize enemy combatants and we detain them indefinitely, are we denying basic human rights? And does that go against the grain of what we believe as a country? On the other hand, do we have the right to self-protection? So that's where the debate Uh, has heated up over the past 15 or so years because of what uh, Bush and the Bush administration did with these terrorists when they sent them to Guantanamo Bay. And this has got all the Democrats and has had them upset for a number of years. I think almost all of these people are out of there by now. And some that have gone back to their home countries like Oman and Yemen and some other countries in the Arabian Peninsula have already rejoined uh, terrorist groups, what we consider terrorist groups, and are actively fighting against either us or our proxies or our friends in the region like Saudi Arabia. So how does that work out? I don't know. I mean, I, I, I understand the Democrats' argument, but I also think, as I've said over and 
and over and repeatedly that the first law is self-preservation. And if you don't get that one down, then the rest of the laws are pretty much irrelevant. The rest of the day is pretty well shot. The shopping trip will be over if you're dead. Now, if you're still alive, you still got a fighting chance. And I think that that's probably the way that the Bush administration looked at it, that if we have to fight in court indefinitely, as long as we can keep these people locked up and out of action, we might have a chance at surviving this and figuring out ways to uh, combat the terrorist and the terroristic organizations that have formed over the past 40 to 50 years to, to uh, basically uh, in the United States. And so we don't, we don't want that to happen. By the way, if you have an opinion on this, you can call me at 877-969-8600. That's 877-969-8600. And uh, let me know what you think about that. So does the chief executive have the power to impound funds appropriated by Congress? And the court ruled that the president, as chief executive officer, did not have that power in 1975 to impound funds appropriated by Congress unless he has expressly granted that authority in the, appro- in the appropriating legislation. So what does that mean? That means that if Congress says, okay, we're appropriating uh, $500 billion for the military this year, and here's how you say you're going to spend it, Mr. President, and we're going to hold you to it, uh, then unless there is a clause within that piece of legislation, and every year the the legislation has to be renewed because every year we have a new federal budget that has to be passed by the Congress. They have control of the purse strings. But now if there are discretionary funds in there and they say, well, look, we're going to set aside $50 million or $100 million or a billion or whatever for discretionary funds for the president to use in an emergency, and the president says, well, I'm using that money to build the wall between the United States and Mexico because we have a crisis on the border and Congress is yelling, no, you can't. We didn't appropriate it for that. And he's saying, well, you know what? We have discretionary funds within the, uh, within the, uh, defense department and it's my place and my right to use that because of this decision in 1975 that said that there was uh, a clause that expressly granted me the ability to use these funds that were appropriated How's that? How does that happen? Well, they're discretionary funds. What are discretionary funds? They're funds that the president, the executive branch, can use in an emergency or for special projects or for secret projects that no one needs to know about. And those funds have been granted by Congress in the budget to the executive branch to be used. And that's what the president is doing. He's using it. So there's court battles going on there. It'll probably make it up to the Supreme Court. We'll see what this court says, as opposed to what was said in 1975. And, you know, there's just a, a whole number, a whole host of, of, of uh, actions taken by the court in regards to the president and presidential powers. Clinton versus City of New York, 1998, the court declared the Line Item Veto Act, and therefore the president's short-lived line item veto power, 
was unconstitutional as a violation of the presentment clause of Article One. Article One deals with the establishment of the legislative branch of our of our government, our Congress, our House, and our Senate. And for a while in the 1980s, there was a line item veto bill that said the president could veto line items in the budget that he thought were unnecessary and then send it back to Congress to vote on. And they had to vote on it without consideration of what he vetoed in advance. And the court said, you can't do that. That's not the way our system works. Our system works by, by allowing the legislature to decide what items will go into the bill. And if the bill is an all-in-one, even if it has all kinds of things tacked onto it, then the president has to be up or down, yes or no, plus or minus. He, he either signs it or he vetoes it in entirety and sends it back. And he can send it back and say, I'm vetoing it because I don't like this item that you put in there, which allows you to spend an extra $50 million on a bridge uh, from Snowy Pass in Alaska to Snowy Gulch in Alaska which has a population of two. So Congress said, well, that's not your domain, and they sued the president, and they won. And the court said, you know, the Congress is right. You, you can't do that. The president doesn't have that power. Well, the problem that the president is complaining about, uh, that all presidents complain about, is that these bills that come before them to be signed, they're not just one bill. It's not just uh, the Snowy River Bridge. It's also the funds for the infrastructure for all the interstate highways for the year. It's also uh, the traffic lights. It's also needs to go through it and he has to decide well this is more valuable than that but that is not as big a deal as this so I'm going to go ahead and pass it or I'm going to veto it one of the two at any rate it is getting time for a little cup of coffee from me for some Joe. So I'm going to go grab that and don't forget Dr. Bill's toenail fungus gel. And I'll be back in a few minutes. We'll give you a little bit more about that and try to push that. With SRN News, I'm Michael Harrington in Washington. Officials say the 12 people killed in Friday's mass shooting in a government building in Virginia Beach, Virginia, included four engineers, three right-of-way agents, and an accountant clerk. The gunman has been identified as an engineer with the city's utilities department. In total, the 12 city employees killed by their colleagues had served their community for an aggregate 150 years. Emergency crews conducting water rescues in various places across the Midwest as the floodwaters rise. In Burlington, Iowa, a temporary flood barrier along the swollen Mississippi River failed yesterday, sending floodwaters into the streets of downtown. And the leader of Germany's center-left Social Democrats, a junior party in Chancellor Angela Merkel's growing coalition, is resigning after an election debacle and the European Parliament vote. Andreas Nass says she wants, quote, clarity after questions are raised about her ability to lead. 
This is SR. Dr. Bill for Bay Area Medical, located at 6399 38th Avenue North in St. Pete, 727-384-6411, 727-384-6411. Full service clinic with x-ray, heart imaging, ultrasound, stress testing, and minor surgery. We provide quality health care in a warm and friendly atmosphere. We are multilingual, well-trained, and certified. Most American insurance and new patients accepted. Bay Area Medical, home of can care, 727-384-6411. 727-384-6411. Hello, this is Dr. Bill Handelman for our good friends at Tampa Bay Imaging. TBI provides state-of-the-art MRI and CT scanning with the lowest radiation possible. Most insurance plans accepted and self-pay rates are very competitive. TBI is conveniently located in Tampa and St. Pete with evening and weekend appointments. So call TBI today or ask your doctor. In Tampa, call 813-386-3674. St. Pete, call 727-545-9674. And now, a thought from Geico Motorcycle. It took 15 minutes to click on the banner ad entitled, You Won't Believe What These Child Stars Look Like Now. Be dissatisfied, and kind of sad, about how the child stars look. And now your computer is plagued by incessant pop-up ads. Oh, this can't be good. To add insult to injury, you could have used those 15 clickbait minutes to switch your motorcycle insurance to GEICO. GEICO. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on motorcycle insurance. Want to fly somewhere? Looking for cheap flights or cheap tickets? Then call. That's right. Call the low-cost airline travel hotline now for prices so low, we can't publish them anywhere. Low-cost airlines has all kinds of cheap travel deals. Fly domestically and save up to 75%. You can even fly internationally and save even more. Yes, fly anywhere in the world and save a lot of money on your plane tickets. We'll even save you money with cheap travel deals on hotels, rental cars, even complete travel packages. So don't book your tickets until you call us first for the absolute cheapest prices on U.S. and international airline tickets and hotels. Call right now for prices so low they can't be published. Travel experts are here 24-7 to help. 800-704-1662. 800-704-1662. That's 800-704-1662. Here is your exclusive AccuWeather forecast. Today, partly sunny and humid, high 90. Tonight, mainly clear and humid. Low 79. Monday, sunny to partly cloudy, high 91. Monday night, clear, warm, and humid, low 79. Tuesday, sunshine and clouds with a thunderstorm in spots in the afternoon, high 92. Clouds and sun on Wednesday, high 91. That's your AccuWeather forecast. I'm Chris Morelli for AM 860, The Answer. Breaking the law, breaking the law, breaking the law, breaking the law, breaking the law. And I'm back with Dr. Bill, your radio MD, a little bit of Judas Priest. You know, I never really got into Judas Priest, and I thought with a name like that, they must be something really terrible. But, you know, in retrospect, their music's pretty benign <laughs> compared to today's stuff. Uh, I guess it was just being raised Catholic, and Judas Priest was sort of, uh, you know, s- sacrilegious. And and uh, but at any rate, I mean, it's pretty harmless stuff. I don't know about you, Bill, but the stuff today is all, or, or at least it has been, a lot more 
Uh, yeah, devil worship back in the 80s is not like Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. No. <laughs> All right, well, we're talking about the president uh, threatening to go to the courts if the House tries to impeach him without any uh, real cause, without any real crimes being committed. And the Mueller investigation has said that uh, there wasn't enough for any action to be taken. Now, Mueller, who is a, a weenie like most of these left-wing loonies, uh, didn't leave it at just, hey, it's up or down, and we don't have enough to indict, so it's down, it's gone. Now he's coming out and saying, well, we didn't say he didn't commit a crime. We just said that there wasn't enough for us to bring criminal action. Well, yeah, that's what uh, prosecuting attorneys do, but after they do it, then they don't go out and make public statements about it. It's supposed to be over. And so this guy has stirred it back up, and now Congress is screaming and yelling. Not Congress, but the House of Representatives is screaming and yelling. The Democrats, they want to impeach him. Of course, Nancy Pelosi knows that it's not. there's not enough there to do anything and that the Senate would not uh, even consider the charges. And Trump is saying, well, you know, if you come after me, I'm going to sue your ass. I'm going to take you to court. And it, it would be interesting to see, because I don't think we've had that happen before in our system, where the president actually challenged the Congress and went to court on a matter like this. Now, we've seen Congress go and challenge the president in the courts, and we had the United States versus Nixon in 1974. And for those of you who are too young to remember the Watergate scandal, Nixon had a uh, a secret team of guys go in and burglarize the Democratic National uh, Committee headquarters in the Watergate Hotel in Washington, D.C. We stayed at the Watergate years ago. Nice hotel then. I don't know what it's like now. And Nixon, uh, his people were caught burglarizing the headquarters. God knows why on earth they would want to burglarize the Democratic National Headquarters in the 1970s. I mean, you could have stopped any hippie on the street and found out what, what they were up to. I mean, it was just, it was stupid. It, uh, Nixon did not think that through very well, as he did not think through a couple other things subsequent to that. And so Nixa, Nixon was subpoenaed to release tapes, re, the recordings of conversations that took place in his Oval Office, because Congress wanted to hear if there had been any involvement of Nixon in setting up this uh, break-in. And, and if you send people to break into someone else's uh, private property, that's, that's a crime. Nixon challenged the courts and, and challenged the court order to release the tapes on the grounds of executive privilege, which is what the president is now claiming. And he said that, Nixon said that, the executive privilege granted him immunity from the judicial process. And so the situation heated up, and the, the courts got involved, and the court recognized the concept of executive privilege, but argued that the privilege was not absolute and did not apply in a criminal investigation. And so Nixon was forced to give up the tapes, which actually um, he accidentally on purpose had erased. We've got a caller on the phone. Who's with us today? This is Dr. Bill. Hey, it's Ian in Clearwater. Thanks for taking Hey, Ian. How you doing? All right. Hey, you know, about all this, I voted for Trump, but I'm not a big, you know, Trump supporter. I mean, you know, but 
I don't agree with everything he's doing, but at any rate, I don't know why the media and everybody, the whole establishment's got their panties in the water about this guy. Because, first of all, this is nothing like Watergate and Nixon. He hasn't done anything wrong. He didn't break any laws. And another thing is, these people, the whole anti-Trump spectrum, they wanted to impeach him before he even took office. They made no bones about it. All you got to do is look at their statements. They wanted to impeach this guy and hobble this guy. I mean, isn't that what the insurance policy and the conspiracy and the spying was all about? This is just a continuation. It's like Plan C that they're working on with this guy. They've just as uh, you can go back and find a statement from all these radical congressmen, congresswomen, that we need to impeach Trump so they can get an edge to try to beat him in 2020 because they're scared to death he's going to get reelected. It's just a big strategy. Okay, it's it's like a prevent defense. And these are the people running around about crying about how fair and impartial and little d Democrat, and they believe in democracy. Okay. Well, democracy is, is democracy is is a word that has different meanings to different people. Now we we are not Absolutely. a pure democracy, you know, and and I, I know. think that's something that really gets to a lot of the of the uh, Democrats because they want a populist. Uh, election and a pop, which we're not going to have. I mean, you're not going to get 37 states to agree to undoing the uh, the uh, uh, electoral college because then the states aren't going to have any power. You're going to give power Doc, to five or six big their, states. That ain't going to happen. Their idea of a democracy is anything that's going to keep them in power, and they're not. They don't make no bones about changing the rules when it suits them. Okay, and they'll do it. Well, so of course. This is, this, is, this is nothing new about the Democrats, about all politicians, really. And the Republicans aren't yeah. much better. They're, they're, they're a little bit more better. But this is what you get when, you know, with dogs, scorpions, and, you know, snakes. That's what these people are. And now, wait a minute. A I was born under the sign of the snake. Okay. So but, you know, we, can't, we, we have to be nice there, to snakes. You know, another thing is, Everybody's saying, oh, he's a crook, he's a criminal, he's an authoritarian. Hell, he's been ruled against 37 times that I know of offhand. I might be wrong by federal courts. This guy, he's only been in office for two and a half years, and there's a concerted effort through the federal courts to, to hamstring this guy. Other presidents have done stuff that the federal courts said, okay, Trump did the same thing in the same situations. They went right into these liberal courts, okay? 37 times in two and a half years, there's a running battle in the federal courts against Trump. Okay? This whole thing is they're all sour grapes because they're losers and they lost because they had a horrible candidate called Hillary Clinton and people were sick of her. And I'm telling you, they had a good candidate like Bernie. Trump, Bernie probably would have been president. And I'm no fan of Bernie, okay? But I realize that if Bernie had been nominated in 2016, I don't think Trump would have made it. Okay, a lot of people voted for Trump because he, he wasn't Hillary Clinton. And they can't believe that. They can't understand that because they're so power-mad maniacs, these Democrats and these leftists. Anyway, thanks for taking my call. You got it, man. Thank you. So we're, we're still talking about uh, Trump and the powers that he is trying to uh, exert and utilize as our chief executive officer and the counter by the, uh, by the house of representatives and their threat to 
to impeach him, to bring formal charges and then send it on to the Senate for a trial. And he's saying, you don't have any grounds for this. There, you know, there's no high crimes or misdemeanors. And so if you do try to impeach me, I'm going to take you to court and I'm going to have, have your actions declared unconstitutional. Uh, we'll see how that goes. Now, I'm, I'm not sure that he'll get anywhere with that, but I kind of like it. As I've said before, I don't think he's really used his executive powers as much as I thought he should have. I think that he was, as Ian said, uh, ha- hamstrung, and especially before the Mueller report was finalized and came out and there were no charges brought against him. But I think that he needs to ramp up his executive powers. And and every president, after a while, becomes somewhat of an imperial president because they can't get Congress, not even in their own party, to go along with them on a lot of things that they want to get done. And that's part of the great fight and part of the balance of power is that the president has executive authority and the Congress has the purse strings and the legislative authority and uh, they get into it and scrap and goes up to the Supreme Court. And we see a lot of different things that come out of the Supreme Court. Uh, You know, with Nixon versus Fitzgerald in 1982, the court ruled that the president has absolute immunity from liability for damages resulting from official acts because Fitzgerald sued Nixon for damages related to some of the things that happened when he was in office, but they were official acts. Now, that doesn't protect the president if they're not performed in the line of his duty as president. That's different. But if you're acting as the president, and you're performing your duties while president and the duties that you believe are part of your presidential powers, then you're immune from lawsuits for damages. And if you don't have that, then you're not going to have a chief executive officer that can function. And again, I've said this, I've said it before, and I'll say it again. Look, if, if you hamstring the chief executive officer too much, then in a crisis, you're not going to have anybody that can take over and act and do what needs to be done in a hurry. And the best example of this is the old uh, Roman Republic where they had three chief executive officers. And of course that ended up in a civil war and uh, Julius Caesar overthrew the Republican government of Rome uh, in the first century BC And uh, it ended up in a huge civil war. And what came out of it? It wasn't that the republic was was reestablished. It was that a a dictatorship was established, an emperor was established. And so Rome had several hundred years of emperors who had near absolute power. So we have to be careful not to create too much restriction of our chief executive officer, because it'll result in a civil war. It'll result in things not getting done. You'll have uh, the chaos that France had in the 1790s, where they had three people that were at the head of the the committee uh, that was fomenting revolution, and it, it deteriorated into mob rule. And then what came out of it? Well, that was easy. Napoleon, the dictator, 
and we don't want a dictator. So we have to allow the president, the chief executive officer, whether we agree with him or not, whether we're Democrats and he's Republican or we're Republicans and he's Democrat, we have to give him some leeway. If we don't give him some leeway, if we don't give him some authority to act, uh, then in a crisis, we're not going to have someone that can do that. Uh, things will deteriorate into chaos. The House and the Senate cannot rule in the way that a chief executive officer can in a crisis, and I've said this before. So we have to uh, give some protection to the president and to his powers as our chief executive officer. That doesn't mean that he has absolute power. And uh, in Clinton versus Jones, the court ruled that the president's immunity from a civil suit did not extend to cases involving unofficial acts. So uh, Paula Jones had sued Clinton for sexual harassment, and that was allowed to proceed. And that's when Bill decided that he would perjure himself under oath in an affidavit, in a deposition, which went to a federal judge. And the federal judge said, dude, you are an officer of the court. You're an attorney, and you have perjured yourself. And uh, so now that's that's a crime. You, you can't do that. And it's even more egregious because you're a lawyer and an officer of the court. He was a lawyer in Arkansas. And by the way, he lost his law license in Arkansas because of that. Not that he cared since he got out and made hundreds of millions of dollars going on the tour circuit and writing stupid books and being the darling of the liberal crowds and the socialist groups in Europe. But he was involved in an unofficial act. He was not acting as president when he sexually harassed Paula Jones. And the courts, the jury said, yeah, you harassed Paula Jones and you have to pay her. And then Congress, the House said, wait a minute. You've committed a crime, and right here in the Constitution it says we can impeach you for high crimes and misdemeanors. And, of course, you got a lot of lawyers in Congress, and they took this very personally. Lawyers don't like lawyers who lie under oath to judges or in courtrooms. You're not supposed to do that. You know, it's like a doctor having sex with his patient. That's a no-no. You don't do that. And it, it was a big betrayal of his oath as a lawyer. And the Arkansas bar took away his law license for several years. So the president does not have absolute power. And uh, this is where the Democrats are trying to probe and see if they can find some unofficial acts that the president has perhaps committed that are criminal or civil in nature that could be uh, uh, approached legally. Now, this is another thing that has come up, and the, the Democrats are saying, well, he threatened to uh, interfere with the Mueller investigation, and that could be construed as obstruction. The power to remove an executive officer is an executive function, and unlike appointments, does not require the advice and consent of the Senate, and this was Myers versus the United States in 1926. The president could remove Mueller at any time without cause, without any reason whatsoever. He could say, Mueller's gone. Why? Because Mueller was part of the 
executive branch. He was appointed by the attorney general. The attorney general, the Department of, of Justice, is part of the executive branch. And the president is the boss over all of the departments in the executive branch, whether it's transportation, defense, whatever. If he wants to fire the chief of staff of the Army, he can go in and fire the chief of staff of the Army. If he wants to fire the secretary of transportation or the assistant secretary of transportation or anybody working in the Department of Transportation, he can go in and he can fire them without cause. And nobody can stop him. The courts have given him that right in Myers versus the United States in 1926. The Democrats know this. The lawyers in, in the House who have studied the uh, Constitution of our government, they understand this. They're just grandstanding. I mean, they know they're not going to get anywhere with this. There's no obstruction. You can't obstruct if you have the power to do what you threaten to do. So if I tell my kid... You know, I'm going to ground you if you sneak out tonight and he's underage and I'm still in control of the household and he's living here and I ground him. Well, I have that authority. And if he goes to the police and says, my dad grounded me, uh, the police come out and say, did he beat you? No. Are you being fed? Yeah. Are you going to school? Yeah. Well, you know, he's the chief executive officer of the household and you broke the rules, and he has the right to ground you. And you have to abide by that. And if you become unruly, he can go to court and have you declared an out-of-control minor, and, and uh, action can be taken. So the president has that absolute power under the Constitution to fire whoever he wants within the executive department. Now, to hire somebody to appoint an attorney general or appoint a special prosecutor or appoint a chief of staff – or appoint the Secretary of the Treasury, that has to be approved by the Senate. They pass the approval, but the firing is not under the purview or the, the, the domain of the Senate. Now, they can pitch a fit, but there's not much they can do about it. And the House, why the House is even getting involved in this is way beyond my fathoming. I mean, they don't even have any standing to say anything about who the president hires and fires. None whatsoever. That is the domain of the Senate and of the president. The Senate approves the president's appointments, and the president decides whether or not he wants to keep those appointments. He can fire them at any time he wants, and that's the end of that discussion. And really, there's not much anybody can do about it. Now, you can go to court, and you can uh, you make all kinds of big deals and act as if you're going to uh, uh, block the president, but ultimately when it gets up to the Supreme Court, you're not going to block him. The Supreme Court is not going to rule in favor of the House, and they're going to say, well, what are you doing? You don't even have any standing in the matter. If he wanted to fire Mueller, that was his his prerogative. His He could do that at any time, you know, and if he was just uh, blowing off some steam and later on his his counselors and his lawyers said, look, we didn't go and fire him because we wanted you to cool down and think about it. And you know, they told him, they said, look, you're going to come out on top of this anyway. Mueller's not going to find anything. So what do you care? Let him, let him blow all the steam he wants and he'll look like the fool. He'll look like the idiot. And of course it's turning out that he does, that he is. And he, you know, he 
has absolutely said that the whole process was an attempt to find cause to impeach President Trump. Well, that ain't going to happen because there wasn't anything there, as Ian said. The guy didn't do anything wrong. Well, what kind of power does the president have in the current circumstances if he wants to, say, uh, arrest somebody who is uh, treasonous, and he's talking about people being treasonous in the Justice Department or former employees of the Justice Department because they brought these actions against him which were unfounded and opened up this whole inquiry, which was a bunch of baloney. Can he actually bring charges of treason against uh, Comey and uh, all these guys that were involved in all of this? No, he cannot. He doesn't have that power. Now, in, in wartime, he has the power to seize people, and he can say that you are treasonous and you are uh, in a position to harm the United States of America, and I'm not going to put up with that, and you're under arrest, and that's the end of it. And there's not much that anybody can do about that until the war is over. Now, there are still laws on the book that started in the 1790s under the Alien and Sedition Act. Now, most of that act expired in 1801. And, of course, the, uh, the big complaint from the Democratic Republicans, who were the liberals back then, was that it was unconstitutional because it violated the First Amendment. Because, basically, what the Federalists did under President Adams is they said, if you say anything negative about the government, then we're going to arrest you and lock you up. And they arrested 26 people. They shut down a number of liberal newspapers that were pro-France and pro-Democratic Republican. The Federalists were trying to keep us out of the world war that was waging between France and Great Britain, involving several continents. And we actually had a little battle, a little uh, marine, maritime naval battle in the Caribbean with the French because the French were seizing our ships because we had a trade agreement with Great Britain. And they said, you know, if you have any agreement with Great Britain, then you're our enemy. And they tried to seize our ships. And so we sent our military ships down there and had a little a little tete-a-tete with them. These are the same people that 20 years earlier had helped us out in the, in the uh, Revolutionary War and uh, have subsequently become our friends again. So it goes back and forth. And part of this... Uh, Alien and Sedition Act gave the president the power to imprison people who were, in his uh, opinion, seditious, that they were a threat to the United States during wartime. And uh, that has remained on the books. Uh, president Woodrow Wilson used it during World War One, and uh, to a certain degree, President uh, Roosevelt during World War Two. And President Bush during the post-9-11 crisis, and so on and so forth, and it is still on the books. It's still on the books. Uh, fascinating that it would still be on the books, and that the president still has that authority in wartime to do whatever he needs to do to protect the country from uh, seditious, uh, uh, subversive, uh, 
uh, terroristic people who want to bring down our, our country. Our president has that authority and he should. And he has to act quickly and swiftly. And that's why we have to be careful not to hamstring either Democratic or Republican presidents. We have to uh, make sure that they have the ability to maneuver, uh, especially in a crisis. Well, that's my uh, big spiel for today. How does it sound, Bill? Did we do any good here? All right. Once a week, we're here for you guys. Don't forget my toenail uh fungus gel um, call the office 727-384-6411 727-384-6411 ask the girls for a tube uh, we'll take your credit card we'll mail it right out to you i'm dr bill your radio md love you guys see you next week three-star general michael j flynn head of the pentagon intelligence agency knew all the government's dirty secrets he was one of the most respected generals in the military flynn knew what the intel world had been up to he understood its funding he ordered the first audit of the use of contractors this set off alarm bells the explosive new documentary flynn deliver the truth whatever the cost and covers the facts behind this scandal flynn told the truth he was the most dangerous person for donald trump to hire i find out the worst enemy that i'm going to face in my life is right here in america they took my assessment and they wanted me to change it i was like i'm not changing it they had to get rid of flynn with in-depth interviews archival footage and never before seen personal record to the man behind the headlines i just felt like i was drowning flynn deliver the truth whatever the cost available now watch it today go to salemnow.com salemnow.com